back down and shut your trap. It's time for keeping it sports, sports with them three. Are you ready? Are you ready? Well, I'll need some beer. Are you ready? You have to ask me nicely. Come on now, don't be bad. place for the best sports talk and news surrounding each league. I can prove it with my usual flawless logic. Hey man, this time I'm gonna do it my way. Uh, what's your name again? And now, here's your host, M3, Mike Rosansky. Okay, good afternoon everyone. How's everything going for you here on this Monday, the 8th day of November. This is Keeping It Sports with M3, powered by the Connecticut School Broadcasting. I'll have a uh, a new place that's also going to be powered by that I'll talk about a little bit later on because uh, it seems as though in the last week the app that I was using for this podcast has you know, decided to just go to all-out war with yours truly, and I'm going to have to uh, choose a uh, new location to uh, distribute it and share the podcast each and every uh, single week, but uh, that's uh, something we'll cross over into uh, a little bit later on. Hope you're all having a good week. Hope you're all safe, healthy, all of that good stuff. Hope you're not all as, you know, annoyed as I am because, you know, there are times I I sit there and uh, I I say to myself, self, what the hell? What the hell's wrong with you? And I, I think I've been on this rant maybe two, three other times during uh, this football season. But uh, you know, there's three there's three goals that I have in life. Three goals that I've you know kind of made made known to everyone. One is. You know, when it comes to my passion about talking about sports and whether I ever do it on radio or ever paid podcasting, uh, the second is, you know, continuing my legacy, you know, maybe uh, somewhere down the line, but going to need help with that if that were ever to uh, take place, would need to find a Mrs. M3 before uh, this uh, lucky fellow came into the world. But also the third goal would be sometime in my lifetime to see the New York Jets be a competent football team, be a team that, you know, they go on a 15-year stretch where at some point in that 15 years, everything breaks their way and they are standing there with the Lombardi Trophy. You know, to do that, you have uh, the three keys with any um, winning program. Head coach, general manager, and the quarterback. Something that the the Jets have had, had struggles at securing over uh, their history, competence with each of uh, those three roles. 
And last week, the fan base got excited. No, after the win against the Cincinnati Bengals. Fans, especially because how they did it. Yeah, the defense gave up 30 points, but you have this guy, Mike White, come out of nowhere and have a fantastic performance in his first NFL start. It led some fans to thinking crazy things, but hey, fan is short for fanatic, and all fans like to dream. All fans like to fantasize about what could be, and the fact that he was the guy that for the first time in 20 years threw for over 400 yards as Jets quarterback, it let you... And have the fan base excited, have me somewhat excited because I'm thinking, you know, who who knows if this is real or it turns back into a Jeremy Lin-like pumpkin. But here's a guy that wasn't never expected to play. He comes out of nowhere and plays well. I want to see him do it again. I want, I'm rooting for him to see if he can really be this good. And my friends and I, we got excited. We got thinking that maybe something weird could happen. Not that they may be a playoff team, but maybe they lucked in to finding a quarterback. And we got excited for Thursday's game so much so that me and a few of my bros went to a bar in Neptune to watch the game. And once again, Jets killed that excitement. Jets killed any hope you have of continuing uh, some kind of positive momentum, positive vibes, as one of my buddies uh, is famous for saying. Because, let's face it, they went to Indianapolis and got their ass handed to them on Thursday night. And why should I be surprised? You know, primetime has not been the Jets' friend over the years. Hell, games, you know, that are taking place Outside of the one o'clock realm, usually bad things happen with the New York Jets. And those bad things include you know, Mike White coming out and in the first drive looking great. They drive down the field. He uh, throws a touchdown pass. And after that, we don't see him again because the play prior, he injured his uh, forearm and couldn't grip the football. But let's face it, even if he could play, he wouldn't have been the reason or the one at fault for why this turned into such a disaster. This turned into such a garbage show that my friends and I were, you know, leaving the bar at the end of the third quarter. It was the defense. The defense not just giving up over 500 yards of offense. 260 of it on the ground. You know, it's one thing if Wentz would have just went out there and threw for 400 yards and tore apart the Jets' secondary. He, you know, he had his moments of picking them apart, threw for uh, 270 in his own right, but it's a young secondary. It's a, a secondary as well that has dealt with some injuries. He even got another injury in the hands of losing Marcus May. But to give up 260 yards on the ground, now that that right there, defending uh, the run, it doesn't 
just take talent. It takes effort. It takes pride. It takes caring. It takes giving a damn about what you do. And, you know, the Jets, I don't know whether they got too busy reading the clippings of the Mike White story or, you know, being on the national stage of Thursday night primetime was too big for them. But 260 yards on the ground, that's that's an embarrassment. A buck, you, you knew that in all likelihood it was going to be a majority ground attack with T.Y. Hilton not available. And if you could you know, somewhat calm down uh, Michael Pittman, you, you could have a shot in this. But the Jet defense, especially their front seven, was getting dashed all night long uh, by Jonathan Taylor. And he... It w- he was you know five yards before even getting a hand touch, even you know getting grazed, and that uh, you know seventy yard run that he had uh, in the, the third quarter was pretty much what spelled the end of the night for the New York Jets. That at that point, me and my boys were asking for the check and wanting to get the hell out of there because that's how much of a embarrassing crap show that this had uh, turned into. And what stinks is, first off, you feel bad for Mike White because, you know, who knows? Tomorrow's not guaranteed. This could have been it. This could have been Mike White's last shot, especially... Let's say you know, they return to practice tomorrow. Let's say Zach Wilson is ready to go. Let's say he's healthy. As well as Mike White played in the game against the Bengals and the first quarter against the Colts, the second overall draft pick by this regime is going to get favored over a fifth-round pick that's been released four times before coming to this organization. I, I know it doesn't seem fair, but that's just the facts. That's the way things seem to go in the sports world, the, um, where you know the higher-ranked draft pick... I mean, you look across all line of sports, every uh, realm, baseball, basketball, football... The highly recruited top prospect is going to be favored over the journeyman who many people are surprised that he's even here. So, no, I feel bad for him. No, I feel bad for some of the Jeff fans that got your hopes up. It's you know, I live by you know a couple of mindsets when it it comes to the New York Jets. The number one is expect the worst and you'll never be disappointed. Because every time you get your hopes up, every time you get excited about the New York Jets, they let you down. But hey, that's what I kind of got latched onto at the young age of seven when I started watching this team, when I started uh, thinking, hmm, maybe this team will entertain me 
as much as the New York Yankees entertained me. When I you know, first started watching sports in 96, boy, was I an idiot back then. <laughs> now, the, at least it was a good week, though, for New York Giant fans. At least uh, they had a, uh, a positive uh, Sunday afternoon, uh, picking up an upset victory over uh, the Oakland Raiders. And or Las Vegas Raiders. I'm I'm still getting used to that. They, 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 it, it's still going to be one of those things for me where I'm, you know, throwing out Oakland there every once in a while. Hell, it, it took me a while to stop calling uh, the Tampa Rays the Tampa Bay Devil Rays. But uh, you know, yesterday the Giants, uh, as I'm sitting around cruising around the the, the uh, NFL schedule on on the red zone, the the Giants uh, were able to uh you know hold serve and uh pick up this victory against the Raiders who were dealing with a lot of off the field drama now this this time I think it was the first time it actually affected them on the field losing one of their uh premier weapons on offense in Henry Ruggs but you know you can't take away from what the the Giants did because they had a smart game plan here didn't didn't ask Daniel Jones to do a lot. Most of his uh, throws um, were to tight ends. He did have that that great throw early in the first quarter uh, to Evan Ingram for the touchdown. That you know kind of laid the message there to um, the Raiders that hey, we're here to play too. But it was the Giants' defense that got the job done. And, and you now I know you can. If you're someone that's obsessed with the stats, you can look at it and say, oh, they, they gave up 400 yards. But when the moment counted, they made the plays. You know, Xavier McKinney, a guy who was a second-round draft pick of theirs last year, um, last year being kind of an injury-riddled season, he was able to step up and have, you know, what could have been a breakout performance for him, what could have been his... Uh, you know, big breakout spot having uh, two interceptions, including uh, you know the pick six uh, against Derek Carr, and uh, you know when Carr uh, was trying to force it uh, down the field with five minutes to go, gets the pick at midfield. That you know helped the Giants prevail, helped them uh, uh, lock down this victory. He also uh, had them get a. The fortune of a bounce uh, when Leonard Williams was able to recover the fumble. And listen, while it wasn't sexy what the Giants did offensively yesterday, as I said, they didn't they didn't ask Daniel Jones to do a lot. You know, you never apologize for winning. You never apologize for playing boring football, for playing, um, doing what it takes within the rules for your team to win the game. You know, Devontae Booker had a very workmanlike 100-yard rushing game yesterday, and that allowed the Giants to, you know, A, calm down the the pass rushing of the Raiders, and B, keep the Raiders' offense off the field. So, you know, win Whatever t- whatever it takes, you know, as boring as possible. And you know, the, the Giants built 
a little bit of momentum. Now, I know you don't like to talk about the moral loss, but they went to Kansas City last Monday and played the Chiefs very, very well. Did that have some kind of an, an impact on this? Who's, who's to say? I mean, the, the true test will be seeing how they rebound or continue to build off of this because you know, two weeks from uh, tonight, they're going to be in the primetime spot when they're on Monday Night Football playing uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And in all likelihood, they're not going to win that game because you know, Tampa just is deeper. Tampa's better. Tampa's a Super Bowl contender. Well, the Giants, you're just wondering, can they get back into playoff contention? But what you want to see with the, the Giants, you want to co- see the continued growth of Daniel Jones to see, is he your guy? He Is he the guy that you know, you're going to pick up the fifth-year option on going into next year? But do you want to have him be your long-term answer? You want to see, is this offense, no, are they better without Saquon Barkley? Because Saquon Barkley, no, would not have put up as workman and effort yesterday. Yesterday, it would have been, you know, 100 yards over 20 carries, but 65 of those would have came on one carry. You know, Saquon is not the guy put his head down, barrel through. He's the guy that needs the gaps, needs the openings to create the explosions, to have the explosive plays. So, you know, as I said before, you never apologize about winning. Never be upset about how your team got the job done. At the end of the day, the important thing is you got the job done. The important thing is that you sit here today, you're a 3-6 and six football team, and you go on from there. You see if you can build a spark from this. You can build any you know, positive vibes and continue going forward uh, with this team and see if, you know, in this crazy season that we're having called the NFL, where you had, you know, so many upsets taking place yesterday. You had, you know, between the Broncos shocking the Cowboys or uh, the Browns of. Uh, Stunning uh, the uh, the Bengals in the fashion that they did. The Jaguars uh, over the Bills. See if this you know, leads to something with this giant team. Rather than sitting there thinking, oh, who are we drafting? You know, dream. Dream about the possibility that you can go on a run. I don't think you're going to catch it, Dallas because you're three and a half games behind them in uh, the uh, playoffs, in the, uh, what you call it, division standings. But when it comes to uh, the uh, wild card mix, you look at it right now, you are just a game and a half uh, behind the Atlanta Falcons. And you've already taken uh, care of business against Atlanta this year. Plus, as I said, you got, you know, yeah, you got Tampa coming up, but you got two winnable games after that against the Eagles and against the Finns. You no, know, let's check back a month from now. Let's let's see 
if the Giants can make something out of this season. Okay, that's enough boring you with the local teams for this hour. I got a lot left I want to talk about uh, for the next, oh, about 40 minutes or so here. Uh, give you some thoughts on some of the bigger off-the-field news uh, that took place uh, this past week, whether it be Odell Beckham, Aaron Rodgers, Henry Ruggs. Um, look back on and recap some of the things that went on across the league in uh, week uh, number nine, as well as, you know, like I said before, we're going to uh, have a, a new streaming partner for this pro this podcast, whether it be this week or next week. And a lot of that is because someone decided to make an enemy out of me. And, you know, I feel like calling them out about it. So please sit back, relax, help put your feet up if you feel like it, and continue keeping it sports with M3. I'll be back. Connecticut School of Broadcasting founder, Dick Robinson. You know, the media business has changed a lot since we opened our doors in 1964. Now media content is everywhere, on air, online, on the go. More than ever, companies are looking for people to help drive this new media. At Connecticut School of Broadcasting, you'll get hands-on training on the latest software and equipment in a matter of months, not years. Connecticut School of Broadcasting has placed thousands of grads in broadcast media careers. It's all about versatility. You see at a radio station, if you also know how to shoot, edit, and post videos, you become a pretty hot commodity. That's the training you get at Connecticut School of Broadcasting. Connecticut School of Broadcasting with locations up and down the East Coast from Massachusetts to Miami. Call 1-800-TV-RADIO or log on to GoCSB.com. Connecticut School of Broadcasting, the nation's oldest and largest group of broadcast media schools. Redefining training in radio, TV, and new media. Get trained. Get connected. 1-800-TV-RADIO. All right, welcome back to Keeping It Sports with M3 on this Monday afternoon here in Cherry Hill, New Jersey. Now, a couple things off the field that it felt like no, every time you turned around last week, there was news taking place off the field in the NFL, whether it be you know, the trade deadline uh, last Tuesday. It wasn't as active as recent NFL uh, trade deadlines, but we did get a couple of uh, moves being made with uh, pass rushers uh, moving to new locations uh, with uh, the the trades of Von Miller uh, going to uh, going from the Denver Broncos to the uh, Los Angeles Rams, and uh, on top of that, you add in uh, the Chiefs acquiring uh, Melvin Ingram. You know, it's it's funny with the uh, the Von Miller trade. You wonder at some point don't you know don't the uh, Los Angeles Rams aren't they going to run out of draft picks somewhere along the line? You would, I, they've traded every first round pick from here to Kingdom Come, and 
somehow, some way, now, now they've gone from trading first round picks. Now they're going to start trading away second day uh, draft picks. And hey, they're going for it. They are taking that shot and um, putting all of their chips to the middle of the table. They realize they messed up with giving Jerk off uh, that big contract extension. What do they do? Get rid of him. Go get Matthew Stafford. And he's played like an MVP so far this season. They traded uh, premium draft picks to go get Jalen Ramsey. Now they add to uh, what wasn't even a weakness for this team. And when you have uh, Aaron Donald and Leonard Floyd, you know, you're already doing pretty good on your pass rush. Now, you add to it uh, uh, with a future first ballot Hall of Famer. No, it's going to have defenses looking around being like, or offensive lines, excuse me, looking around saying, damn, we really need to pick our, our poison now on who we're going to double team, who we're going to stop from killing our quarterback. But what was more pressing is some of the off the field stuff. First off, Odell Beckham. No, Odell Beckham, we knew at some point it was going to end ugly between Beckham and the Cleveland Browns. I mean, you know, watching them, you could tell he was not a fit there. You could tell that you know, from the beginning, he didn't want to be there. Remember his introductory uh, press conference when he talked about the Giants' uh, uh, saying they were trying to send him to football hell or football purgatory, whatever uh, the uh, terminology that he used for that was. It was clear, you know, he wanted to be in a big city. He wanted to have the uh, bright lights, but he also wanted to be the man. He wanted to win. I don't think I don't think you can ever question whether an athlete really wants to win, but. No, he wanted to win with it being about him. He wanted it to be the Odell Beckham show. And that never uh, quite uh, materialized uh, with the Browns. And you look at it. They were better without him than they were with him. Now, Baker Mayfield and the Browns were winning, you know, 70% of their games compared to being barely over 500 uh, with um, Odell Beckham. And you think, you know, while he didn't have the off the field nonsense recently, like he did uh, when he was uh, the uh, with the uh, New York Giants, you, you could tell that at this was something that needed to end. You, you could tell, and now finally he had his first bit of, if you want to call it nonsense this past week, when his father posted that video just after the trade deadline, because it's been widely reported. He's been trying to get out of there um, for a while now, including, uh, you know, after the Steeler game, his representation demanded a trade during the off season while he was still recovering from the torn ACL. They're uh, asking for 
for a trade. And you know, while they can say it wasn't the leading cause, you know, that that created a distraction that no one um in Cleveland wanted to deal with anymore. That that was the final straw. That was the all right, we got to move on. We got to clean our our hands of this moment. So the last couple of days they had been working on a way to smooth things over where he would still get his money, but it would uh, lessen the cap hit for the Cleveland Browns. And now uh, he'll go on waivers uh, to, starting tomorrow. And any team uh, that uh, claims him will inherit uh, seven. million um, remaining of his salary for the rest of this season. And it's going to take, you know, a strong organization with a, you know, a head coach who's, you know, their job is not in jeopardy in order to bring him in and a team that is in the midst of the playoff race. You know, a team like the Jets, Giants, Jaguars, Dolphins, they claim him off waivers tomorrow. He's going to be a big pain in the ass. He's just going to piss a lot of people off and force his way out like he did in Cleveland. So it's going to take, you know, maybe John Harbaugh and the Baltimore Ravens where they damn sure could use some receiving help. Or, you know, maybe he goes to the New Orleans Saints who are going to be without Michael Thomas for the rest of the season. It's not going to be Oakland. They just uh, added Deshaun Jackson. May, hell, maybe it could be Green Bay. As we saw, you know, they were having uh, problems uh, with their uh, wide receiver cord. You know, some of those guys uh, dealing with COVID issues. And that, you know, that leads me to my, the next thing I want to talk about here. And that's Aaron Rodgers. Because... The last couple of years, you know, originally when I started this podcast way back when, I mean, I'm trying to blank on whatever year it is I started doing this now. But, you know, back when this podcast first started, I was not the biggest fan of Aaron Rodgers as a person or uh, and some of it was because the media was ready to induct him into the Hall of Fame after like a year. Also, because when they would win, you would hear a lot of I, I, I's, me, me, me's in his post-game press conferences. And then when they would lose, there was a lot of we's, us's, uh, everyone together's, you know, stuff like that. There wasn't a lot of accountability. But he's grown, he had grown on me the last couple of years, and especially with his uh, you know, off-season battle with the organization um, in which I thought the Green Bay Packers organization completely disrespected uh, this man and weren't as grateful to have a talent like this thinking that quarterbacks like Aaron Rodgers just grow on trees. Well, now I'm kind of annoyed with him. And listen, it has has nothing to do with the fact that 
he doesn't want to take the COVID-19 uh, vaccine shot. Listen, I, I've said this before, whether it was him, Kyrie Irving, you don't want to take it, fine. Okay, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna be someone who's gonna sit here, look down my nose at someone who doesn't feel comfortable uh, doing it. Would I prefer everyone did, and that we could end this thing once and for all for good? Yes, but I'm not gonna going to because some people just don't feel comfortable with it. Don't aren't trusting of vaccines. And no, whom whom I to tell someone else what to do? It's a choice I made to do because I want to protect myself, family members, uh, close friends, anyone uh, that comes in contact with me, and so that I can feel comfortable in certain situations not wearing masks like this. Like when I went to. The bar last Thursday night with my friends uh, for the Jets game. I wasn't wearing a mask. No one else was wearing a mask. And I felt uh, pretty comfortable with that. But, you know, in the case of Aaron Rodgers, what I don't like here is why would you lie about it? Now, he was asked back on August 26th, his first real press conference that he did uh, with the media before the start of the season, you know, where he aired out everything that he was feeling toward the Packers organization, how, why he wanted to be traded, why he came close to retiring and going hosting Jeopardy. He talked about how the, um, he he felt toward them, and he was asked during that whether he had been vaccinated or not. And his response was, quote, yeah, I've been immunized. There are guys on the team that haven't been vaccinated and it's personal decision, not going to judge those guys. Well, he was very slick with his wording and, you know, maybe we should blame the media on hand there that day for not following up with harder questions, asking him, what do you mean you're not immunized? Uh, did you take the shot or, or are you doing all this uh, homeopathic stuff that people are talking about, thinking that it uh, builds up uh, their uh, immunity, builds up uh, their antibody count? But, you know, and we would see him on the sidelines without a mask what, during preseason games, uh, See him, uh, no, in post game press conferences without a mask. So you figured all was good until last Wednesday when it comes out that he tested positive for COVID nineteen. And no, like he's had a habit of doing, he would run to his weekly uh, spot on the. Pat McAfee show when he had something he wanted to air out, when he had something he wanted to uh, uh, talk about. And while he was on, and I'm not someone that views this or listens to it often. I read the the press clippings of it, but he's on there with uh, Pat. And I guess, uh, you know, 
Aaron's former teammate, AJ Hawk, is either the co-host or a part-time host on uh, that show with uh, McPhee. And you would come away from this interview, at least I did, you know, kind of disappointed in in Aaron with uh, some of the things he said. Like, first off, claiming that he was following uh, the protocols. Well, no, you weren't. Protocols called for unvaccinated players to be wearing a mask on the sidelines or during uh, post-game press conferences whether or interviews on the field. Now, n- not just, oh, you can't go out with your teammates on the road. There were things that around the event you had to do. Also, there were the reports that he attended a team Halloween party about 10 days ago, and it looks like that party might have been a super spreader uh, event. He would mention that he had an allergy to um, mRNA uh, vaccines, which is you know, fine if that's you know a, uh, a concern of his. As, as I said, there are people that have concerns with uh, vaccines, based on their prior uh, medical uh, situations. If he has, if there's something uh, that provides him, that causes him an allergic reaction in there, I can understand uh, uh, that. But then to go on with trying to spread some of the lies that are out there, like there have been lies such as, oh, people believing that this is going to change your DNA. This is going to make you grow an extra body part in some way. Or uh, uh, my favorite one is that Bill Gates put a computer chip in in there, and we're all going to get controlled like robots. No, I had I had my first my shots six months ago. I'm still controlling myself. I'm I'm not being all uh, no moused around like uh, some uh, computer part, like some uh, transformer. So, no, he he wants to, uh, you know, spread another lie out there saying uh, that uh, he wants to be a father someday and that uh, he's worried that it's going to affect his fertility. Well, that also is BS because it's been proven that it has no effect on uh, uh, fertility or uh, uh, trying to get a woman pregnant. And then for him to go and quote Martin Luther King uh, at the end of it all, I mean, that that one was probably the one that aggravated me the most because you go and you try and uh, quote Dr. King and you don't even get the quote correct. You know, he says, quote, uh, you have a moral obligation to object to unjust rules and rules that make no sense. Well, first off, you didn't even say the quote right. Martin Luther King in uh, 1963 uh, would say while he was in jail, one has not only a legal but a moral responsibility to obey just laws. Conversely, one has a moral responsibility to 
um, disobey unjust laws. This isn't a law by the NFL. They weren't able to get it cleared with uh, the Players Association, a vaccination mandate. But they do have protocols for unvaccinated players that you must follow, and he clearly was not following them. And that's why he's going to get a a hefty fine. He's not going to get suspended, but he's going to get a hefty fine. And it's a fine that's well-deserved. And I... The question just remains to me, why would you lie about this? Just be honest. We're, you know, I'm okay with the fact that Kyrie Irving didn't want to get vaccinated. But at the same time, he had to understand that there was going to be consequences with that and that the Nets were going to make the decision you're either all in or you're all out. And the same here with Rodgers because, hell, no, you're putting other people at risk with them not knowing that you're vaccinated. With you trying to be slick and saying, oh, I'm immunized. They thought you were vaccinated. And now, you know, teammates and coaches were around you on the sidelines and at practice. Unmasked opponents are coming up to you, shaking your hand, uh, talking to you after a game. And then even, what do you think some of these sideline reporters for Fox, CBS, NFL Network, any of the media that's covering these games, that's interviewing you before or or after. You know, he did, they had that big thing where uh, early in the season during a Fox pregame, he was uh, uh, being interviewed in the pre-recorded interview with Aaron Andrews. You know, what do you think she's thinking? She She's sitting there unmasked, you know, Five feet away from him, um, thinking, oh, this is uh, cool. He's, um, we're back to somewhat normal here. He's uh, vaccinated. And now she hears that, oh, he's not vaccinated. So, she, so her, her health could have been put at risk there. I mean, as I said, my problem is not him not getting vaccinated. You know, you want to go your body, your choice. I'm fine with that. But just don't lie to us. Be, be real with us. And finally, you know, the, the, the third thing that I saw that aggravated me in this last week was the Henry Ruggs uh, situation. As we know by now, he was arrested early Tuesday morning on what would turn out to be a fatal DUI crash where he would come away with minor neck injuries and uh, some cuts, bruises, as well as uh, the woman in the car with him, his girlfriend uh, um, and mother of his child, an, an arm injury that she would have surgery on later that day. But his stupidity has cost a woman her life. His, no, no, whether you want to call it lack of judgment, uh, just being an all-out idiot, thinking that he could get behind the wheel of a car with what would turn out to be a blood alcohol content level, double the legal limit at a .161 and drive in Las Vegas at 156 miles an hour. Yet he gets in an accident 
get some injuries that, yeah, him and his girlfriend are going to recover from. But you know what that accident did? It took a woman's life. It killed someone else. No, he gets to go on with his life, a life that in all likelihood is going to spend a majority of it now in jail, whether it's anywhere from 20 to 46 years in jail. Hopefully they throw the full book at him and he has to just sit there and rot. But he... Now, this is something I have no tolerance for. You, we hear about this all the time, whether, whether it's you know, professional athletes, or the, which has happened way too many times, or the average Joe. You're drinking, do not get behind the wheel. Not only are you putting yourself at risk, you put someone else at risk. You, you, you killed this, this young woman, uh, Tina Tinter, and her dog, who was also in the car, they just had a um, a simple night out, hanging out with a friend at the park near her grandmother's house. A woman who had just recently started her own at-home business. And now that's not going to get to continue because of Henry Ruggs' selfishness. And I'm, I can't even get mad at the police officer or the man that tried to save her from her burning car. Because I don't know how many of us uh, would have been able to fight through the smoke or the intense heat um, and save her as well. We all probably would have backed away and looked at saving ourselves um, before... Uh, uh, saving them. I mean, he he tried his best, but she was stuck in the car and unfortunately uh her uh, little dog was uh, trapped in there as well and eventually the car would explode killing them both. It's just it's sickening. No, your heart goes out to her family, her loved ones, her friends. And at the same time, you sit here and you're disgusted in Henry Ruggs because this didn't have to happen. This did not have to happen. You know, the NFL set up thing. All of these professional sports leagues have things set up for athletes. You now, if they go out, you know, have a drink or two, go to the bar, go out, they're at a party. There are hotlines set up by these leagues you pick it up you say hey i can't drive home i'm too drunk or i'm under the influence of some kind of drug no questions asked they come pick you up and they they bring you home but instead he decides to make a selfish decision like this and even as much as i'm mad at him i'm even more so mad at his friends who were with him at uh that uh top golf golfing range just hours before because let's face it no one of them could have stepped in said no you shouldn't be driving but you know what those guys clearly are those are hanger-ons those are people that you know are on salary with henry ruggs and realize that if they try to step in 
that's the end of their meal ticket. So, you know, Henry, go rot in jail, man. Because I'm, I'm outright disgusted. I'm sickened by what you did here. You took someone's life, a life that didn't have to end, but does because of your selfishness, because of your stupidity. We'll be back with more Keeping It Sports with M3. I'll be back. Welcome back to Keeping It Sports with M3. No, wild week nine in the NFL. Some crazy things. You know, talked about earlier these upsets uh, taking place around the league. Like, you know, to me, the most most shocking of them all was uh, the Cowboys getting blown out at home by the Denver Broncos. You're thinking maybe the Broncos are uh, morally let down with uh, their longtime team leader, their long, their uh, legendary player in Von Miller getting traded, maybe assigned to this organization that you know, the front office doesn't believe in them. But hey, you know Teddy Bridgewater and company went to, uh, to Dallas and uh, just uh, – Beat down on uh, the Cowboys. You know, we're able to make uh, make some plays on special teams with a, a uh, with recovering a block kick to continue uh, a drive of their own. And you could tell Dak Prescott a little rusty after not playing uh, the last several weeks uh, with his uh, calf injury. Uh, showed uh, that. Um, maybe he, he could have used another week, especially uh, with uh, how well uh, Cooper Rush uh, played uh, last week against the Vikings. Knowing that you had such a significant lead in the division, you didn't have to rush him back. But um, you know the Cowboys can use this as a, a bit of humble pie. Them and their fan base were... Now, maybe they were reading their press clippings uh, a little bit too much and now has them wide awake, uh, eyes open uh, when they uh, play the Falcons yesterday. Falcons who had a crazy game. You were, second second time this year this has happened for the Atlanta Falcons um, making NFL history. They become the first team in NFL history to record back-to-back victories with the following occurring. They led by double digits entering the fourth quarter. No, 17 to 3. At one point, it, it got to 24 uh, 13. And they would blow those leads, be trailing 25 24 uh, with uh, a minute to go after uh, a touchdown by uh, Alvin Kamara. And still be able to drive the length of the football field to. Have Youngway Koo hit a game-winning field goal at the final second, 
First team in history of the league. Blow double-digit lead in the fourth quarter um, twice and have to end it with uh, a uh, walk-off field goal as uh, time expired. Just, no craziness. Am- amongst uh, the craziness we we saw the, uh, yesterday was, of course, you know, the... The other history uh, that was made, and maybe you could argue this is being overreported at this point. We're getting to, you know, people uh, talking about it way too much and acting like it's too big of a story. But uh, the performance by Jaguars linebacker Josh Allen uh, uh, yesterday to me was more quirky than it was. Uh, Fun or interesting. I mean, listen, Josh Allen, the linebacker in his own right, very good player, captain of that defense already uh, with uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars in, in only his third year. A guy that they view as a building block uh, player and hopefully their edge rusher for years to come. But the story of yesterday's game should not be the fact that, oh, it was the first time a defensive player with the same name as the quarterback on the opposite side um, sacked said quarterback or picked them off or recovered a fumble. Something he not only first time any of those have happened, first time they all happen in the same game in the long history of this league. The story should more be about how dismal the Buffalo Bills offense looked in uh, this game. And the problem with the Buffalo Bills offense, as dynamic a thrower down the field as Josh Allen, the quarterback, is, they are one-dimensional. They have no running game whatsoever. It's not like this was a blowout either way. This was a 6-6 game heading into the later stages of the fourth quarter. Hell, Jacksonville was trying to lose this game. You know how I could tell? Their field goal kicker missed three consecutive field goal attempts. He lines up from 42, misses. It it gets called for a pre-snap false start penalty. He gets another chance at 47 yards, misses that. Another flag gets thrown for a rough uh, running into the kicker. So he gets one more chance and once again misses that. And still, Buffalo could not take advantage. I mean, run the damn ball. It should not have been a discrepancy of 47 passes to only 14 runs yesterday. And nine of those 14 runs were by... uh, running backs, all right? Buffalo, one of the top contenders in the AFC when it comes to getting to the Super Bowl. But they have got to become, you know, more than one-dimensional. They've got to get Devin Singletary or whoever they want to be their lead running back on this team more part of this offense. It cannot just always be Josh Allen going out there throwing 45 times a game because then you get situations like this occurring. And now, in all likelihood, they're going to make my life a living hell this coming Sunday when they come to MetLife Stadium. I'm 
message a, a buddy of mine on Facebook last night. Shout out to Brian Fishman. That uh, the, in all likelihood, you know, the Bills are going to be uh, hunting for blood on Sunday. And the only uh, positive part of the day for me is going to be the uh, pregame uh, tailgate. So, you know, that that is something Buffalo's got to work on. Another surprising uh, victory yesterday you know, is uh, the Cleveland Browns not just going into Cincinnati getting uh, the W, but the beatdown they put on them. And listen, Baker, Baker was good. He wasn't over-the-top impressive. I mean, he, he was only 14 for 21 for 218 uh, yards yesterday. Continued this, uh, this pretty good uh, connection that he's developed recently with uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones. But yesterday was more about Cleveland's defense and their ground game. You know, Nick Chubb showing that he is completely over his calf injury, had a uh, big day on the ground carrying them offensively. As well as their defense, you know, we know Miles Garrett's a, a beast. But what people forget is they have another stud on that defense, not in the front seven but in the secondary in young Denzel Ward, who had his time to shine very early in uh, that game when he was able to break off uh, a 99-yard interception um, of return for a touchdown and you know turned into a very long day for Joe Burrow and company. As you start to wonder... No, maybe did we crown them too fast? I mean, last week, yeah, I know they didn't uh, get the favor of a bad call when uh, playing the Jets. But, uh, no, now two straight weeks uh, with uh, games that they were, no, last week a sizable favorite, this week a... uh, no, pretty well-regarded favorite. People wondering how the Browns were going to react after uh, uh, moving on from Odell Beckham. Well, pretty damn good. That team seemed to rally around Baker Mayfield and showed why they uh, can win uh, uh, or are a better team without Odell than they were with him. Uh, the, one of the games of the day, of course, was... Uh, the Ravens' overtime victory over the Vikings. It's still surprising that this was even uh, a close competitive game when you look at how Baltimore outgained uh, Minnesota all day, uh, had the football twice the amount of time that the Vikings did, and had three times the amount of the first downs. But you know, the Baltimore really did not get going offensively until about midway through the third quarter. They were down uh, by uh, multiple scores for most of this game uh, when they uh, broke off two consecutive uh, long drives, the second of which um, was an 18-play uh, drive that spanned over 10 minutes from the end of the third quarter into uh, the uh, fourth quarter. And if uh, not for a uh, a couple of missed tackles there on uh, fourth down, Baltimore could have uh, ended this uh, game 
uh, in regulation. Now, they do have one of the ultimate safety nets uh, in future Hall of Fame uh, kicker Justin Tucker, who, uh, who uh, gave them uh, a shot to win this game in, in uh, overtime once you... Once, once I got it within respectable kicking uh, distance and it was next team scores wins, you knew uh, where this uh, was going. And now we all uh, uh, have the Ravens looking ahead to uh, uh, Thursday night football where they'll uh, take on the, the um, Miami Dolphins, whereas the Vikings will uh, go play the Chargers last week. Chargers able to rebound well off of uh, uh, getting beat down by the Patriots uh, a week ago. Now, I would have liked to see the Chargers win this game um, with a little more dominance, but that was mostly the fault of uh, the defense of the Chargers allowing the Eagles to hang in this. I mean, Justin Herbert, what more can you say about him? He was he was flat-out awesome Uh Yesterday, his 12th game of his career already with 300 plus passing yards and two touchdowns. You realize the record prior to that was tied by Marino and by Mahomes of 10. And we're we're barely halfway through uh, Herbert's second year in the league. And he's destro- continuing to destroy the record books as far as uh, second-year quarterbacks. So, uh, no, it's it's just uh, stunning what this has turned into uh, for the uh, Los Angeles uh, Chargers and how he has become the you know a life raft for that organization. I mean, when you when you lose a quarterback, you, know, you you look at you look at the last what twenty years they've had a quarterback position, whether it be when they had Phil, Philip Rivers or before that Drew Brees. You get back to back Hall of Fame quarterbacks like that. You're thinking we're going to be waiting for a while for our next guy, and he drops right out of the sky to them because Miami Dolphins thought that Tua Tagovailoa was the better option. I mean, they have very much lucked out on uh, that one. I mentioned the Patriots before. Might have to start taking them serious as far as a playoff contender. I felt I felt ba- so bad for my guy Sam Darnold uh, yesterday. A, he's regressed a lot over this last month um, after getting off to a hot start in his uh, last six games, he's thrown 10 interceptions and got benched to uh, late last week. But once again, he had to deal with Bill Belichick and the ghosts of the New England Patriots, who got him again for another three interceptions uh, yesterday, now, now making that nine of his 50 career interceptions against Belichick and uh, the uh, Patriots. You realize he's been he's been now outscored by the Patriots by over a hundred points. And that that no matter where he goes now, whether it's the Jets or or now in his what could be one and done with the Carolina Panthers, he just cannot shake having to deal with uh, Belichick and and company. But uh, no, the Patriots. When I watch them, 
I don't look at them as overly impressive. I don't look at them and, and say that's a team that can win the Super Bowl. But you look at you look at their upcoming schedule. There's a there's a chance for this team to make some hay and get um into the playoffs here. You know, they've got Cleveland at home next week. Then they go to Atlanta. They got Tennessee. Two of those three games they should win. They're, then they're going to have Buffalo in twice in a uh, four-week span, uh, sandwiched in between there, a game with the Colts. And they finish things up with uh, the Jaguars and the Dolphins. So they've got of their – it's an even split as far as uh, their final eight, eight games, four road, four at home. But – it's very feasible that you know Belichick could make the playoffs for the first time as Patriots head coach without Tom Brady uh, this year. Uh, you know, because of Aaron Rodgers' uh, choice and uh, testing positive COVID, we were uh, robbed of the Rodgers Mahomes matchup that uh, people been waiting a long time for, and. Yes, so we got to see the first NFL uh, action of Jordan Love, who, you know, late in the game he had his moments. They started moving the football a little bit in the uh, fourth quarter. Uh, But you could see, you know, early on, maybe this moment was too big for him. You know, the fact that they went 0 for the first eight on third down, didn't convert a third down uh, until the later uh, stages of the fourth quarter. And, you know, by then it was uh, a a little bit too late. Now, even you know, not so much with the score, but you, just you had the feel with the way that uh, uh, at times the Chiefs' defense, who stepped up yesterday and were overwhelming him, you, you had the feel that he was not going to be able to move the football down the field against them twice in a row in such a short time span. The the real concern here is you no. Know, where is the Chiefs offense? You know, are they ever going to stop being stubborn, stop acting like this is mad in the video game, and finally uh, just take what the opposing team's defenses are giving them? Because everybody's, you know, defending them the same way. We're playing our safeties back. We're not going to blitz you. And, you know, you're not going to just have the easy one-on-one matchups with Kelsey and with uh, Tyree Kill. We're going to be physical with you guys, and let's see how you can adjust to that. And instead, they're being stubborn. They're trying um, to continually be a deep-down-the-field uh, kind of team. And while, you know... They are a winning team right now, have won two in a row. They aren't doing it that impressively. And unless things change, I don't see how they're going to be making it to their third straight AFC title game. And then there's the Sunday night or last night, which uh, you talk about the surprising things. I I thought the last thing we'd be talking about today is the Titans' defense winning this game uh, for them. You know, all the stories coming in is how they're going to do without Derrick Henry. Uh, Now Adrian Peterson coming in. Is he going to have anything? 
Well, the, the Titans' defense dominated this game early on. Jeffrey Simmons had three sacks in the first half. They they overwhelmed uh, Stafford to the point where he threw two interceptions in a 20-second uh, span, including having his best Carson Wentz impersonation on one of the, the uh, um, hits by Simmons, in which he just threw the ball up in the air right to the uh, arms of Long Jr. And then, no. Barely gets a drink of Gatorade, comes back out on the field, and throws a pick six to uh, uh, Kevin Bird. Now they're, they've got eight days to uh, uh, rebound off of that. But the, you know, the impressive thing here is that the Titans are showing that they can win in different ways. It's not just all about Derrick Henry. And the thing that's going to work in their favor for going down the stretch here, A, they... Um, you know, it's not like this happened late in the season. You would rather ha- this happen now where there's at least a chance maybe he could come back for the playoffs, but also allow you to adjust offensively on the run. But also, oh, here, they've got the easiest schedule record-wise in the league uh, over the rest of the season. Now, I'm not saying they're going to be the one seed, but the fact that they have built themselves such a cushion, especially in that division, gives them time to adjust to the team that they now have to be without Derrick Henry. Whether that's being more of an aerial uh, attack uh, with Tannehill and, and their uh, um, good wide receiver core, or able to get what ever is left in the tank of Adrian Peterson if he can at all be even 50% of what he once was. Going to take one last break here, come back, finish things up for this Monday afternoon. This is Keeping It Sports with M3. I'll be back. Connecticut School of Broadcasting founder Dick Robinson. You know, the media business has changed a lot since we opened our doors in 1964. Now media content is everywhere, on air, online, on the go. More than ever, companies are looking for people to help drive this new media. At Connecticut School of Broadcasting, you'll get hands-on training on the latest software and equipment in a matter of months, not years. Connecticut School of Broadcasting has placed thousands of grads in broadcast media careers. It's all about versatility. You see at a radio station, if you also know how to shoot, edit, and post videos, you become a pretty hot commodity. That's the training you get at Connecticut School of Broadcasting. Connecticut School of Broadcasting with locations up and down the East Coast from Massachusetts to Miami. Call 1-800-TV-RADIO or log on to GoCSB.com. Connecticut School of Broadcasting, the nation's oldest and largest group of broadcast media schools. Redefining training in radio, TV, and new media. Get trained. Get connected. 1-800-TV-RADIO. All right, a couple more minutes here, but let's finish this week's podcast up. Um, Of course, got to give some love, give a shout-out to the Atlanta Braves, who, thank God, once again saved baseball by preventing 
the Houston Astros from winning the World Series. The Braves uh, coming away uh, as champions uh, last Tuesday night, ending the series in uh, six games with a, a, a impressive performance by uh, Max Freed. A lot of power there, especially uh, I'm still, you know, been re-watching the clip over and over of Jorge Soler's home run there where he's flipping the bat and pumping the his chest pointing back at the dugout before they even change the camera angle and that was that was a, a laser shot there and you know we just continuously pile on as you now the Astros offense would uh would go quietly into the night with the Braves winning their first championship since 1995, second as uh, the Atlanta Braves, because remember uh, way back when they were in Milwaukee as the Milwaukee Braves. But uh, now, fun story, what they they had been these uh, last couple of months. You realize they were an under 500 club heading into the month of August. Hell, a lot of people back in June when they lost Ronald Acuna for the year to the torn ACL thought they were a dead team walking. You know, they were six, seven games back of the Mets at th- that point. But, you know, they made uh, some good trades at the deadline, including going getting Solaire, bringing back Adam Duvall. We're able to uh, mix and match here and, now uh, come away as an unlikely champion, but they're champions. I mean, you know, you look at the way they did it, losing Charlie Morton in game one with the fractured leg, uh, able to uh, overcome the fact that they use the opener twice in a postgame series, which, you know, you pray for the sake of, of baseball that that does not continue to be the trend we go down because... Unless you're the most analytically uh, uh, person out there, watching a different pitcher come in each and every inning is not as fun as that stud going out there and uh, trying to dominate the opposing lineup for seven or eight innings and throw you know 115 to 120 pitches. I know it's a different day, different era. We're not going to see guys do what... You know, the likes of Bob Gibson and Sandy Colfax said, hell, you're not even going to see guys go the length that the late great Roy Holiday was doing and throwing 235-plus innings every season. But you'd like it that if, you know, five and out would, would not become the norm. You, you know, I was annoyed with what we saw in game three of this series where Anderson's got a a no-hitter uh, through uh, five innings, only uh, walked a couple of batters, thrown, what, about 70 pitches, and he gets pulled because, oh, we got to go to the bullpen. Now, that kind of philosophy, as good as your bullpen may be, at some point is going to come back to burn you. But thankfully for the Braves, it did not, and we uh, sit here with them as champions. And now we head into an off season with uh, – some unknowns. Now, for, first off, I want to congratulate Buster Posey on his uh, uh, great career and calling a quits last Thursday. 
He's going to be an interesting guy to talk about in about five years. If he if he does not decide to come back, which you wouldn't rule out because he is only in his early 30s. But uh, uh, if he doesn't come back, he's going to be an interesting guy to dis- talk about when it comes to his Hall of Fame uh, candidacy. Because you look at it, no, 2010 Rookie of the Year. NL MVP in 2012 also won the batting title. Seven-time All-Star over 12 seasons. He uh, won the Gold Glove in 2016, uh, was three-time champion with the San Francisco Giants in 2010, 12, and 14. His best postseason came in the uh, 2010 championship run. But people always look at the bottom line, and his bottom line only has him at 150 eight home runs and 729 RBIs. That's less than uh, guys like Thurman Munson and Jorge Posada. And neither one of them are in the hall of fame. So it's going to be interesting whether you have more people that judge it like I do and go the year to year route or more people are looking at the overall bottom line. Cause I mean, the guy did hit over 300 in six several separate seasons. He he was a very he he was an over 300 career hitter. He he did not reach I don't believe he uh reached the 2000 hit mark. I could be uh, wrong on that. I'll have to check. But uh he is going to, going to be an interesting candidate uh for sure uh to talk about, yeah, he only had uh, 1,500 hits. So, you know, on paper, resume, you look at all the awards, you would think Hall of Fame. You think about him as a player. You watch him. He was one of the best catchers in the league. He was, at the time, one of the best players in the league for a good stretch. But uh, did he do it as great long enough is going to be the question. But I mentioned it's going to be an interesting off season. And I say that because the CBA is up on December 2nd. And in all likelihood, there's going to be some kind of work stoppage. Now, I don't know how we can call it a work stoppage considering the season's not going on. But maybe just in meaning there won't be negotiations between teams and free agents. You won't see... uh, talks about contract extensions or arbitration cases it will be a period of time where you have uh, major league baseball and the major league baseball players association negotiating over how they're going to uh, resolve their new collective bargaining agreement there's going to be the there's the issues i want them to get to like the designated hitter the shift um Things like that, but more of it's going to be about financial, whether it be, you know, uh, players wanting a salary floor, owners when it comes to uh, the luxury tax threshold, uh, arbitrate, arbit- when you become arbitration eligible and when you become a free agent for the uh, first time. Um, and those kind of things, uh, you know, are going to be some hairy situations to discuss. But here's what I'm asking. No, you guys embarrassed yourselves during the early stages of the pandemic. You clearly had a chance to be the first uh, 
professional sports team or professional sports league to come back during the pandemic. And while you did, you embarrassed yourselves along the way with the owners saying, oh, we can't go prorated uh, money for the players, full prorated over the course of 100 to 110 games. We can only do it for 60 games. It, it will affect us too much. We we would come to find out that's BS when you signed a new uh, uh, postseason agreement uh, with TBS that's uh, paying you half a trillion dollars. And then there's the players who, who was, there were some of them saying, oh, I don't want to take a second pay cut when you weren't taking a pay cut. You weren't getting paid because there weren't games being played. There's a, there's a difference there that they still don't realize. And it was insulting to hear while we're in the middle of a pandemic, people are losing their lives, people are losing their jobs, and you have hospital beds uh, filled to galore with uh, people battling this deadly virus. No one wants to hear billionaire owners and millionaire players argue about money when it's such a sensitive subject for normal people during a pandemic. So you want to have your negotiations? Fine, do those. But do them behind closed doors. Do not go public with this. Do not every day try to make the other side look like the bad guy like you were doing all throughout June and July of 2020. All right, you've done a pretty good job of recovering since then in the public eye. Don't screw that up for a second time. Don't make yourselves look even worse. I mean, you've fallen to the point where you're the third most popular sport in this country. You know, you were, you were never going to beat the NFL. Now you've slipped behind the NBA. You don't want to start slipping closer and closer to NHL or UFC or tennis or golf or a- any of them. I mean, it's bad enough that you've lost some of the younger fan. You'll completely alienate your fans if you go- try to go public about these negotiations once again. And I want to close out with this. Now, for the last several years, I had been doing this podcast and recording it and posting it on this app called Anchor. And that's up until recently where Anchor decided to log lock out my account with some baseless claims saying that I was committing suspicious activities such as, let me see if I can get some of these emails up here uh committing uh suspicious activities uh uh such as hold on got this email uh including inflating streams seo stuffing as well as uh the use of monetization features illegally which anyone who knows me knows i've unfortunately never made a dime off of this podcast uh, um, most of the time it's been you know kind of a passion project as well as uh, chasing a, a potential dream about uh, professional podcasting but you no know, whatever you know anchor you decide to make an en- enemy out of me I did nothing but promote your app so now what I gotta say is go to hell
All right, I'm not going to fight you anymore. I'm not going to try and uh, get my page back up. I'm going to go to a podcast app. I've already chosen it. I'll I'll have more details of it up over this next week. But I'm going to move to a podcast app that does not try to insult someone's intelligence, does not try to hurt someone's credibility, or will not take away someone's uh, creativity or things that they created just because you want to throw a little bit of hissy fit. And to anyone out there that still uses Anchor and you want to um, you know, message me, I'll, I'll send you the emails and show you exactly what they tried to claim against me, I'd watch out. Because if it, they can make these kind of baseless claims against me, they'll probably do the same damn thing to you. So, Anchor, go to hell. Uh, I'm going to take my podcast, take my talents somewhere else, somewhere that will be more accessible and easier for my listeners and will not be making any stupid, baseless claims. And that, my friends, was Keeping It Sports with M3 for Monday, November 8th, 2021. Like I said, by next week, I'll let you know where the new streaming page for Keeping It Sports with M3 will be. But until then, everyone stay safe, have fun, and just have an all-around great week. Peace. We have to go. Good night, everybody. I have had enough of you. Thank you for all the fun. Thank you. Hey, shut up, will ya? I don't want to see you. I don't want to hear you. I don't want to smell you. Now leave. I'll be back.